This is Pamela Kuhn, and welcome to Center Stage. You are about to hear a live interview with artist Akinori Matsumoto on the opening of his exhibition, Sound Garden, at the Flynn Gallery at the Greenwich Library. I want to thank my guests, Diane Nicholas, curator of this show, and Yoko Shioya, Artistic Director of the Japan Society of New York, for their contributions and translations. And of course, to Akinori Matsumoto himself for his inspiring work. This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. And welcome to the Flynn Gallery where the wonderful recent installation of the Sound Garden by artist Akinori Matsumoto has just opened, and the audiences are excited. Curated by Diane Nicholas and Francine Langford, this exhibition allows us to walk into a magical maze of mobiles intertwined within a symphony of sound. The effect is dazzling to the senses, and I am thrilled to have with me today my guests, artist Akinori Matsumoto and Yoko Shioya, who is artistic director of the Japan Society in New York City. And we also have curator Diane Nicholas from the Flynn. So I am thrilled to have you here. Thank you for this opportunity and your generosity. Now, Diane, uh, the first question is going to go to you. I'm always so excited to be present at a birth of a new creation. So what has been the motivation behind this exhibition? Thank you, Pam. Well, it's really about, I think, the synchronicity of this exhibition, which was delayed originally because of the pandemic. Um, we know that Akinori's work is just always transportive and well-received because of how unique it is, the kind of environment, the nature, the sort of, it's just creating this um, immersive experience that is unlike any other. We really, um, we just were very excited about having this as our season finale uh, from a timing standpoint, knowing that he could come to Japan. This is his first trip out of the country since the pandemic began. Uh, so we feel very fortunate. And you know, the motivation really is always just that we're honored when we can actually have him here like this. It's such an endeavor, unlike most of our programs, our shows are usually curated very locally. We, it's a big endeavor on all, on all levels. So it took a lot of motivation <laughs> to, get, to get to this point, and, and it really is because we know that the result is always just so, so stunning and staggering to our audiences, and, and, and that's a very exciting thing, to be able to bring something to this community that's that wonderful. is so unique and so uh, personally, individually, um, just adding value to to one's experience. So inspiring, and especially for spring. Yes. It's the perfect timing. Akinori, when we last met, it was a joy to share the gift of music that we both love. So I want to go back, though, to your beginnings as an artist. You're a self-taught artist. In 1978, you won the Merit Prize in the 12th International Art Exhibition in Tokyo. And in 1983, you gave your first Sound Objects exhibition in Tokyo. How important were the early days for your formation as an artist? Really, his, his, Akinori's beginnings were in Western art, uh, painting specifically, 
and he was very much studying Western uh, art, modern art, actually. But after a while, he, he started feeling that he wasn't really fitting how to pursue his own personal art in the context of a Western style wasn't really making sense. He sort of was having a bit of an identity crisis in a way and started traveling and also looking at Asian art and folk art specifically. And there a lot was resonating and he started creating those objects. And that really was the turning point in sort of in his 30s. Until then he was really in a different mode, but that turning point in his 30s became really pivotal to what we know of his art, what we see today. His main, um, he sees his, his work also as more a total kind of performance-based, more theatrical in, in essence, so drawing from music, art, and dance, uh, actually, because he had some performance-based uh, experience prior to that. So this, this kind of conglomeration of those different aspects of the arts really are what he strives for and what he's been influenced by in traveling through many countries and experiencing those festivals and different aspects of different Asian cultures. So experiencing all of the festivals and the traditional folk art and the music and the collaboration of people coming together has obviously been a catalyst for Akinori and his work. But I'm wondering if this was something that was already embedded in him since he was a child. I mean, was there a connection in his soul with this, the sound art and objects at any one point early on? He's always, since a small child, made things just in terms of the actual, like making objects and creating things that are more playful and also entertaining to others, um, for sure. Creating a sense of wonder. That sense of wonder. Which is, seems to be what his art is all about. I love that, Akinori. I love it. Well, Yoko, I have to turn the attention to you for a moment as artistic director at the Japan Society. I mean, this is, this is very exciting as a bridge between East and West. Can you share with us, really, for many of us who don't know about the Japan Society, about what your duties are and what you achieve as artistic director? Um, the Japan Society is really, really old organization, and that was established in 1907. So we are now celebrating 115th year. And um, um, before the, uh, until the uh, World War II, you know, the organization's activities are more of like a nomado than then having a ballroom for the hotel and then having a, a Japanese traditional doll exhibition and stuff like that. And then during the World War II, the, all the um, <coughs> activities and the assets are in frozen. Then after the World War II, you know, some leader, um, leaders of the, you know, from the Japanese community and then also American communities started to feel like, well, let's, let's um, revitalize that activities between Japan and America. So then that time, um, uh, Rockefeller III uh, was invited as a president. As you probably know, Rockefeller family has been really exposed themselves to Japan and then also many Asian countries, and they are really uh, the fond of um, Asian and Japanese um, the cultures. So they are in, he was invited as a president, and uh, um, he donated the land uh, just a half block away from the United Nations, and then also he built the current um, the uh, building. So that building was actually built up by uh, Yoshimura Junzo, Junzo Yoshimura, well-known Japanese art uh, architect. And he's also known as a 
known as a really uh, 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 most favorite architects by the Rockefeller families. Mm -hmm. So um, so then the building currently we have housed now, in uh, established in 1972. So we actually celebrating our 50th anniversary of the building. So it's it's really, really long, long, long uh, history. But um, um, I, would, uh, the, I would say that um, I would, the beginning of our activities were really started when uh, Rockefeller III was invited as a president because mm -hmm. he has a, uh, the vision of having a really all genres of the, uh, of the culture and the arts. So then, um, the, luckily, we have an endowment for gallery exhibition, and we have an endowment for the uh, performing arts. And then also, in addition to that, we have also film program. That was not existing when he became the, uh, uh, the president, but then the film program is uh, one of the most vital programs at the Japan Society. And then also, you know, film, performing arts, and the, uh, the galleries are kind of three industries. But then in, in addition to that, there are many Japanese unique cultures, like a fashion, architecture, design, and the food, especially these days, and then also pop arts these days. So we have also a um, talks program that we talk about um, um, literature or the fashion or architecture design kind of thing, and then food, and then also sake tasting kind of thing. <laughs> and those are all, the, all kinds of cultures. And in addition to that, we, have, we also have uh, um, the business and the policy programs, and then all the leaders from the uh, business and then also politicians will come to Japan society, discuss things to the public or inside more of an uh, intimate level. So we really do from, um, how could we say, A to Z, about uh, whatever we could do to let American people know about Japan and then also experience Japanese people to come here to experience um, America and then communicate in in-person in communication, then that is very important for us. And I understand that your background, you, you went to conservatory in, in Japan to be a musician and you were very interested in dance at one point. So I would imagine with those two disciplines, you really appreciate the work of Akinori Matsumoto yeah. more, more than perhaps the rest of us. Yeah, actually, I just heard from um, what he said. He was interested in, in Japanese geno. And then um, the also, he, in, in, in brief, he com compared with the, uh, the performing arts uniqueness of uh, Western uniqueness is uh, kind of the, how could I say, vertical way of dance development Mm -hmm. uh, music development, theater development separately. But in Japan, as probably you know, you know the, the kabuki or dance, um, kabuki, no, uh, bunraku, everything has to be on the stage, not really like an orchestra pit and the conductor and the performers on the stage or anything like that. P uh, performers are also, um, there's no significant one person as a director of conducting everything, mm -hmm. but musicians are also on the stage, and uh, uh, the performers are there. And, um, um, and then, for example, like a gagaku, one is uh, most, um, the one, it's not one of the, the oldest ensemble in the music history in the whole world. That is actually the largest ensemble without conductor. And so all integration of the, all the parts of the uh, performing arts are the Japanese performing arts. And then Akinori said that the, oh, that's his, um, he recognized that that's uh, integration of the old parts, you know, visual thing and the music and the movement. 
everything into one is a part of his identity that he said that he realized, which I really uh, can share the feeling that, that yes, that is what we want to do. <laughs> this is so exciting. We have this interrelationship. I yeah. love it. So, so how does his work influence you with your work at the Japan Society? Society, I, I presume you take his work uh, to the society itself. Well, I wish. I mean, the uh, actually environment is very important for his work, and um, um, the public publicly seen is important. But then also at the same time focusing because focusing is important because the sound is very subtle and the many nuances. So um, the, we really have to think about what is the best um, you know, the presentation of his work. And then this Fulin is really a wonderful place, I think. And we're thrilled you're here to support it. Mm -hmm. So that actually gets me to my next question for Akinori, which is so important to me as a musician. Yoko has just spoken about the nuance of all of the interrelatedness of, of these disciplines. This, the whole idea of sound um, objects, is this to you uh, art first, or is it music first? Or is it just so intertwined that it just seems to be so visceral to you and natural? It really depends on the object and the situation, because sometimes the, the, the shape or the object comes first, and sometimes the sound and it's what, what, what objects goes with the sound or what sound will go with this object. But working with the materials is actually also a process where it, it's not that he has like a plan for what a shape would look like. It's sort of the relationship with the material and how is it bending and how can I work it. And everything is really organic in, in, in that sense. So it's really that interconnection between and what, what is inspired by a sound to to, to sort of imagine what that form might be, but there really isn't one order. It, it so will be case by case. So the process of the development is, is so important as, as it, it's outlaid in front of him. He also said that um, um, he had a dialogue, he has a dialogue with a bamboo. Hmm. Really? <laughs> yeah, that is the nice word. I wasn't, that's... <laughs> So what I love about this exhibition is that we all enter and we can drop all of our worries and enter this magical kingdom of a sound garden. And for one moment, we don't have to think about anything else but just the visual and the sound of nature. Now, Akinori, is, is nature to you a symphony? Or is, is nature literally just a convolution of sounds to you that it is so married up with the slightest movement or shadow play that you want to make magic with it? So in terms of nature, he was just explaining how in where he lives, he's inspired a lot of these sounds come from initially the sounds of nature, the sounds of the birds in the area, the sounds of the bugs that might be chirping and making sounds around his home. And then they're interpreted into these objects through his, his work. And they, in and of themselves, are not really the completed work. They create this sound experience, and they're visually uh, present. But the completion of the work is really the experience of the individual coming in, what they feel, what it triggers in their memory, what mm -hmm. it sounds like to them. 
because every every sound and every object, the, the total experience is going to evoke something different depending on who's experiencing it. Of so course. that is very important to him as well, that that's really the complete um, sort of intention, if there is one, <laughs> at least that's what he, he's serving, okay. aiming to, to okay. create. Okay, I love that. That's yeah. the, I love the that. ultimate so objective work, of the creation. His work is just a vehicle, he said, right? Yes. To let the people, to lead the people to imagine their own thing. Exactly, exactly. Which actually segues into my next question very naturally. Are you an ambassador of, of natural art to the people? So again, um, rather than being sort of representing or expecting, it's about that individual experience and what something will be, what will trigger in someone's own memory or when they see something, what it reminds them of. So it's, it's really, again, that, that complete experience and not so if, you, if we all see the same movie, well, you can kind of, you know, have different interpretations, but basically what you're seeing, that experience is kind of beginning and to end, something that's been kind of directed and created for one experience. It's just a little bit more, again, subjective. For him, for him personally now, he wants to be in the background then, humble. <laughs> So again, it's that process of not really being the main, even people ask him a lot, did you make, create this all on your own? And, you know, again, it's not the final, but yes, he, he conceives it. There's a, there's a lot of support in creating something, but really he is not feeling that, you know, he's definitely in that shadow position, like once it's created. Okay, it's really about coming together with everyone else's experience. So maybe the shadow play he does is really Akinori Matsumoto. Again, it's not just him. Yeah, it's not just him. It's like the shadow thing is that the more for the welcoming environment for the people, that the people themselves is a part, would be a part of his um, environment because at certain that times this is how the light beautiful. the light will turn on mm -hmm. and you will actually become part of the artwork because this. your shadow is projected as ah, well so people can dance and sort of have fun with it. Mm -hmm. So it's about yeah. so audience would be a part of the garden that he created. You know, I ask this because I know so many artists who are so unwilling to take a back seat. They want to be in the forefront all the time, and I find this this uh, this really quite beautiful that he is a part of everything that he creates. Akinori, I know that the last time you and I met in 2015, it seems ages ago since the pandemic, we spoke about the power of composers. And we had talked about John Cage as being a composer who had influenced you. And I put it out there that it was because he embraced the power of silence. Is this an essential part of your work, silence? So it's really, uh, he, yes, John Cage is a big influence, um, as you know, and all of his, uh, the, the work is run on timers, but the act of sort of randomness is built into that. So there isn't really composition in the same way that the, the, the random and coincidence that John Cage works with is also how Akinori works. So there will be a moment of silence, but it's, and there'll be moments of darkness, but they occur randomly. They are very important, but they're not, they're not uh, 
they're not placed there. Okay. So in the same way okay. of that random nature of uh, I of have occurrence. to say that when I'm in the exhibition and suddenly sound stops, we all hold our breath for a moment. And uh, for me, it's because it's so beautiful, I don't want it to stop. And there is that, that sense of energy in the silence that actually wants to motivate you know, another section of it and to go on forever. And maybe that's just all of us coming into a museum and looking at art, and that's what we look at it for. So we can find that sense of peace, and at the same time, it's a paradox. It's, it's about an energy, but it's for ourselves, which he's talking about. That's why he does his art. It's for himself yeah. and for others and putting it out It is there. interesting because when there is silence, I, yesterday I was noticing at the opening too, when it suddenly goes dark or the sound stops, there is a, bit, a moment where people actually were not used to that. And if you're mm -hmm. not looking to appreciate the sound, they might feel like, wait, is something off? Did it break? <laughs> They're waiting. It might be a longer period of darkness or a longer period of silence. And, it, and that like getting used to it is a really interesting thing to observe as well. It is. It's, it's, it's a different know. energy entirely. And that is called ma in Japanese, ah, M-A. And space, um, yeah. the silent moment is called ma. And then the ma has been always a part of the Japanese performing arts, um, the integral part that how you treat, how to not place, how you treat, how you address the ma is really the very um, most, one of the most crucial things for the performing arts thing. And then also ma is, um, that is actually in between, if I translate it in English, but um, um, in between of what? Sound and sound. And then that's kind of um, um, emptiness is uh, also related to uh, like a Zen, uh, zero, mm -hmm. nothingness. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, um, that's I think, that also John Cage and then his, um, you know, the uh, connection of the ma thing. Mm -hmm. I love that. And probably because I've been doing Tai Chi during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so I've come to that ma moment. <laughs> this is very exciting. I love it. I love it. Now, Akinori, I have to ask, you know, I know we all live in cities and, and you're a very vital person going from city to city and, and doing your shows. Are you able to live in nature yourself? So four years ago, um, so since we last met, Akinori moved to, four, four years ago, to the seaside. So it's sort of not in, the, he was in a, a town, a more vibrant town with shops and things, but this is a much quieter place where actually we can walk every day. There's a lot of nature. At the beginning there were even, you know, he wasn't really sure that it was going to work. There were snakes and other animals like out there. He's like, wait, this is a little wild. But even the food, the sources, there are no supermarkets. He's, you're, you're buying directly from the farmers. They're fishermen. So his, his actually, he's feeling much more a part of nature. He's more inspired by his environment now. It's all just both in terms of those sounds and just being sort of in that mode, it's really helped his work a lot. And he's feeling also just even physically stronger, healthier, more connected through that move. So it really was probably also with the pandemic being in just the right place as well, right? Because being in the city was tough. So has this been his silver lining? Yeah, for him, the silver lining was, unfortunately, you know, everything stopped. He didn't have work. He wasn't able to show. But having that luxury of time, as we know, mm -hmm. being just being close to his work, being able to think, being able to, very often because he's on a schedule and, and 
under pressure. Mm -hmm. He might not allow a project or an object to evolve into the detail that it, the potential that's really there because you've got to kind of finish it with having that time to really tweak and work with something and allow his imagination to have more time to develop really was in that sense a positive a positive thing for the overall experience. So on the other side of what was negative because he's actually shown and traveled, he's per, uh, performed, I don't know if the right word, but in uh, nine countries around the world Everything always involves, as we said, the involvement of those people from that area and that sort of communal event of creating art is what he's really missed and he's looking forward now to being able to reconnect in the way that we, in this first experience outside of, of Japan for him, have been able to do. But, you know, it's usually on a pretty grand scale, a lot of involvement in those people have been really... He's missed, so he's missed that interaction because that is so much about what his work is. Exactly. Right? Exactly, that, that total picture, that total synergy. And kudos to the Flynn for this. Well, yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> we're all, it's, it's like the antidote to everything that's been happening so far, right? Here we are with, <laughs> so, and I think so, it's just... so thrilling. Akinori, we have been through so much with the pandemic. If there is a vision of an ideal society in which to live, what do you think it would be? What I could do is limited, but you know, what I could do and what I have to do and what I will do is to go out to, the, uh, go out to meet with different uh, the people in different culture or different religion and work together and then create things and then keep just doing that. That is what he wants to do and he will do until he's last day. <laughs> that is so fantastic. And I think it's a microcosm, really, if he were to take it to the level of like a, a perf a, an ideal society, mm -hmm. the way he functions with those different, when Absolutely. he travels in, in this creating of these works, really, in that sense, is the way it should work or the way he'd like to see it work, because everybody's different coming from a different culture, but it, it comes together. And, and uh, so extending that beyond. Right. This is so exciting. I have to tell you, the microcosm that we have experienced here today has been rich and, and just wonderful. Thank you to Akinori Matsumoto. Thank you, Diane no Nichols. Thank you. Thank you, Yoko Shioya. Thank you. And the, it's also exciting for me to, to delve into this new realm. And, but everything everyone is saying today is so simple and so natural. Yeah. To Akinori Matsumoto, the Sound Garden, I can't recommend this, this exhibition enough. And for everyone in the Greenwich, Connecticut area, this will be open until June 15th, yep. I believe, at the, the Flynn Gallery at the Greenwich Library. And one thing I have to say about the Flynn, and I have followed the Flynn mightily over the past couple of years, is that my, one of my mottos, which is be bold and mighty forces will come to join you, is what the Flynn lives on. So we have to thank again curators Diane Nicholas and Francine Langford. I mean, for what you brought to the Flynn with this beautiful, magical essence of sound and harmony and shadow play and allowing us to be children for just a few minutes, I know one thing. When you come to this exhibition, you will return because we all want to have that sense of play, of peace, and creating a sense of wonder for ourselves. So thank you again, thank all you, of you Pamela, for your for generosity. And may you all thrive, and may we all find that perfect society. <laughs> yes, well, we're on our way here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much.
This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is now down on Center Stage. <laughs>